calling. Don't waste your time because it's a gift. You're here today because God gave you another day. It's not those vitamins you're taking. It's not because you're running and staying in shape. Ultimately, God gave you today. It's a gift. So I'm going to read out of Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. And uh, then I want to read out of Ephesians 5. And we're going to read what the Bible says about timing. Solomon had a lot to say about time. And this verse, you probably heard, if you hadn't heard it from the Bible, you heard it from the old bird song. To everything there is a season. Yeah, it was a hit because they used the Bible. That's why it was a hit. But watch this. It says, to everything there is a season. Not some things, most things, everything. In your life and mine, there is a season for it. Okay? And there is a time for every purpose under heaven. A time for every one of God's purposes in your life, there's a timing for it. There's a timer attached to it. And God intends for it to happen in that time and for us to respond in that time. Now, jumping in the New Testament, Ephesians 5, Paul talks about time. See then that you walk circumspectly. That means walk smart, walk cautiously. Walk thoughtfully. Know thyself. Amen? You know what you can handle and what you can't handle. You know where you can go and where you can't go. You know who you can get around and you shouldn't be getting around because you know the weaknesses of your flesh. Come on, everybody. I mean, you could stick me... In a, in a cigarette factory and leave me there a year, I'm never going to have to worry about smoking. But some of you, if I stuck you in a cigarette factory, you'd fall before midnight. But you could, uh, hey, listen, we all have places of weakness. So he says, know thyself and therefore walk circumspectly, walk smart. Don't go where you shouldn't, look at what you shouldn't, listen to what you shouldn't. Not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time. There it is. Because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What's the will of the Lord? He just told us that we would redeem the time. That we would redeem our time. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray you'd help us to become smart about time. The time you've given us. The precious commodity of time. Lord, I pray renew our minds today, and I pray that this message from your word moves us from inactivity to activity, from lethargy to diligence. Lord, I pray that this flushes out of the woodwork people who are greatly gifted, but they're not using it. I pray, Lord, help us to understand what time it is. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, would you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me today. I receive the word of God. It's your word. Teach me about time. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I know what time it is. I know what time it is. Amen. Now, I wanted you to say that, but the fact is a lot of you don't know what time it is. 
I have had times in my life where I did not know what time it was. What I mean is, right now it's 12.33. I know what time it is. But again, let me refer to a, a, a secular song that was, in, that was titled something that's a great question. Does anybody really know what time it is? Now, the question is, do you realize what time it is in your life? Do you realize what time it is in the seasons of God for you? Do you realize what season it is in your life? Is it spring? Is it summer? Is it fall? Is it winter? Is it the beginning of things? Is it the, the peak and the height of your, your career and your life? The, the, the apex of your life? Is it fall? The leaves that were green are now turning brown or gray? Gray, get it? Gray. Or is it winter? Most of your life is behind you. What I want you to see today is no matter what season it is, there is an opportunity. God has opportunities for you in every season of your life till the day your heart stops and you go to glory. God's got a purpose for you in every season of your life. Now, there is a difference between the words season and time. He said, to everything there is a season and then a time for every purpose under heaven. So for everything in our life, there's a season for it. And for every purpose, there's a timing for it. The word season is from the Greek word chronos, and it just means duration of time, how long something lasts. This service has been going on now for 35 minutes. That's the chronos of this service, all right? That's season. So to, to everything, there is a duration. For everything, there is a time limit. It begins and it ends. Your life starts, it finishes. A tree grows, blossoms, spreads out its branches, lives for a, sometimes a long, long time, but then it dies. It has a duration. Everything in the context of time has a beginning and an end. It ends. It begins. But the word time, there is a time for every purpose under heaven, is not chronos. It's a Greek word called kairos. And kairos means the right time to do a thing. It's talking about the perfect timing, God's timing, the right timing. There's a right time and a wrong time to do things. You can even do the right thing at the wrong time. Oh, yeah, you can. You can do a right thing at the wrong time. You can miss God's timing. You know, you may be very aware, for instance, in my case, God had called me to preach, all right? So I knew that was God's will. But there was a timing for me that he didn't allow me to pastor until I was 30. And now being 42, I'm just making sure you're there. But the deal is, I didn't understand the timing of God. He used to drive me crazy. I used to go out in the woods and preach to the woods. I so wanted to deliver the word of God. I do believe squirrels were saved. I do, because I preached. I mean, I went out there. I mean, I can remember preaching Isaiah in the woods just to get it out. 
But see, I didn't understand God's timing. I used to say to him, Lord, here I am. I'm ready to preach. The, the, the world's going to hell in a handcart. How come you're not releasing me? Because God was teaching me. It was not my season to be released. It was my season to be taught. It was my season to be prepared. Jesus was prepared 30 years for 30, three years of ministry. See, there is a timer. You can know the, the, the will of God. You can know the right thing, but you can try to do it in the wrong time. So, so wisdom is learning to do the right thing at the right time. That's wisdom. All of you here today have a gift. All of you have a purpose in God. All of you have been called by God. Say, not me, Jeff. You're the one called. Oh, no, I'm, well, I'm called, but I'm not the only one called. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints, that's you, to do the will of God. So my job, my calling, is to convince you you're called. So say with me, I'm called. Say with me, I'm a saint. You're as much a saint as St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke, St. John. Say, Jeff, that is sacrilegious. No, it's not. They told us, we. Peter told us we're saints. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a called out people that you would show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're called saints. Paul wrote his letters all the time to the saints at Philippi, the saints at Ephesus, the saints at Colossae. You're a saint. Yeah, you've been made a saint by the blood of Jesus. Now, your spouse may not agree with me. Uh, Your kids may not agree with me. But you know what? It doesn't matter what we think or what we see in the mirror. It matters what God says about us. We are saints. He has declared that we are saints. We are saints by the blood of Jesus. We're chosen. We're called out. We're anointed. We're appointed. And God has us in the kingdom, in this nation, right here for such a time as this. Come on, everybody. So, so Paul came along after, you know, Solomon gave us Ecclesiastes 3, 1. Now Paul comes along and says, now speaking of time, he says, I want you to redeem it. Redeem the time. I want you to redeem the time. So he's, he's telling us how to walk out our Christian faith. He said, walk circumspectly, carefully, cautiously, wisely, smartly, knowing thyself, Walk wisely, redeem the time, and understand what the will of the Lord is. Those are three things we're all called to do. Walk circumspectly, make the most of our time, use our time for the glory of God, make our time count for God, and live understanding the will of the Lord. But I want to talk about redeeming the time. When he says redeem the time, He's talking about buying up the opportunities that God brings our way because our God is a God of opportunity. Didn't he say in Revelations, I am he who opens and no man shuts. I'm a door opener. I open doors. Well, what does an open door mean? It means opportunity. Paul one time said, a great and effective door has opened up for me and there are many adversaries. What's he saying there? God has given me an opportunity. When God opens the door, it's an opportunity. And we're to walk through it. We're to turn the latch, walk through it, take advantage of it, seize it. Don't sit and stare at the open door. 
Don't sit there and go, yep, that's an open door. Hallelujah, there's an open door. Did you see that open door? Can you believe God opened that door? There's an open door. But you don't go through it. If you don't go through it, it's a wasted open door. When God opens the door, we're supposed to walk through it and take advantage of the opportunity because that door won't remain open forever. That door may close if you wait too long. So this whole thing about redeem the time, seize the opportunity, seize the season. Every Christian needs to understand and walk in because we walk with a God who gives opportunities every single day for us to do something that counts for him. And a lot of times it's just in the the everyday, walking through the day world that we live in. Yesterday I was at Home Depot. And I was in there looking for a tool and looking for a couple of things, buying a couple of flowers and whatnot. And I'm just walking around. I'm not, I was with God that morning. I prayed that morning, got in the word of God that morning, uh, prayed over this service and all of that. I was done with all of that. And so I was just walking around Home Depot like everybody else, except I'd been with God that morning. Now, see, if you get with God in the morning, you're going to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you when you least expect it. Because you're a walking, talking blessing. You just don't know it. You're a walking, talking repository of the glory of God. He has put his glory in you, an earthen vessel. And everywhere you go, you are walking, talking power waiting to be released. If you're just sensitive to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, who all the time wants to re- reach out through you to touch somebody else. Uh, Am I right? Yes, I'm right. See, he doesn't want us to be a question mark. He wants us to be an exclamation point. Amen. And and so I'm walking through Home Depot and and I see this couple and this couple, the guy's real muscular. He's he's got on a a bright yellow t-shirt and I notice emblazoned across the front of it, it says, Jesus saves. And his wife is behind him, and, and she's wearing a Jesus T-shirt. But I'm noticing they're feeling kind of self-conscious because people are looking at them and smirking. People are looking at them and kind of giving them the look of, you know, that's just kind of dumb. I, you, know, you must be one of those Jesus freaks, this kind of thing. And, and so I was about to walk them right by, and the Holy Ghost said, encourage them. Just right then, encourage them. And, and so the guy was walking away from me. So I came up behind him, grabbed him by the shoulder. He almost turned around and hit me. He was muscular. And he didn't know who I was. I grabbed his shoulder. He turned around. I said, I'm a pastor. I saw your T-shirt. And I said, praise God. You're standing up for the Lord. Good to see you in Home Depot walking around. And this guy lit up like a Christmas bulb. And it was like I needed that encouragement. But see, here's what I want you to see. Every day, God gives God-given opportunities, divine appointments. And if you're just sensitive to it, the Holy Spirit will use you, move through you, and bless somebody. Him and his wife, they had a whole new courage on them when I stopped and encouraged them in God. So like, don't worry about what these people say. Amen? God wants you to be a blessing at Walmart. He wants you to be a blessing in Home Depot. He wants you to be a blessing at the restaurant. He wants you to be a blessing at work. He wants you to be a blessing to your neighbor. You've got a blessing inside of you, and you are a chosen generation that you would show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
They already wonder why you're different. You might as well tell them why. Amen. Time. Time. See, we have time. You're here today, so you have some time. It's a precious commodity. It's an incredible gift. What is time? Time is measured by a beginning and an ending. If there's no beginning and an ending, there's, then what you're talking about is not subject to time. You have a beginning and you have an ending. We're walking through life right now, but it's going to end. Because we are in the context of time. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's telling us right now, time as we know it began when God created the very first thing, which was light. Let there be light. When he said, let there be light and something material in a material world was created, then time began. That was the beginning of time. The Bible tells us that time had a beginning because Paul the Apostle says, God chose us in Jesus before time began. Before time began. So, so Paul is saying time had a beginning and time will end. You, you see in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's the first verse in the Bible. But at the end of the book of Revelations, there is a verse that says, and time will be no more. So even time has a time limit. Time will one day end, and all that will be left is eternity, where there is no time. Time doesn't exist, because nothing can age. Nothing can wrinkle, rust, rot, decay. Only in the context of time does anything like that happen. We human beings dwell in time, but God dwells in eternity. God is way back in your beginning. He is in your now and he's in your future. He's everywhere at once. God is everywhere at once because he inhabits eternity. He looks down and he sees all of time from its beginning to its end all at once. From the time he made the world to the time he will end the world, he sees the whole of time laid out before his eyes. And all of history is before him all at once. We think about time all the time, no pun intended. We're very preoccupied with the idea of time. I got a watch on so I can keep time. We ask about the criminal, how much time did he get? As we age, we start asking the question, how much more time? do I have left? Y'all looking at me so. The Bible talks about the brevity of our life. It's very smart to realize that you are temporal. It's very smart to realize it. The Bible says 70 years are given to us and some may even live to 80. I'm reading the Psalms, but soon they disappear and they are gone. We are gone just like that. Unless you're my mother, she just hit 95 and she's gone strong. She's an exception. But David is just basically saying, for, for most people, 70, 80, somewhere in there, we're temporary. We're, we, we appear for a season. James said, what is your life? It, it appears like a vapor for a short time, and then it vanishes away. And so what we ought to be saying is, if the Lord wills, 
we will live and do this or that and go into such and such a city and buy and sell. Because you don't know when your life is going to end. God only knows that. We don't know that. I'll tell you the truth. I don't want to know. All I'd be thinking about is that day. So God leaves it as a mystery to us. But we do know that time is short. We do, do know that we don't last that long. What is our life, folks? Think about it. When you think about eternity past and eternity future, where there is no time, where it stretches ad infinitum into foreverness on both sides, what is this slice of history where God made time? Time began at the creation. It ends in the book of Revelation. So, so what is it? It's a blink sandwiched in between two eternities. It's a blink. Blink, and, and the human race was here and gone. Blink, and you were here and gone. But here's the important thing about time. Though we're here for a brief amount of time, comparatively, compared to eternity, though we're here for a brief amount of time, this brief amount of time is where our eternity is decided. How we're going to live it. Where we're going to live it. What our rewards are going to be there. How we spend eternity is decided in this blink called our life. Our whole eternity is decided, the quality of it, the location of it. Will it be in hell? Will it be in heaven? How are we going to live in eternity? How many rewards are we going to get? Are we going to wish we live for God more? Even our music talks about time. There's a song that talks about how time goes on. Another song says time has stood still since we've been apart. Did you know that Cher was in a 15-year hit drought until she sang the song, If I Could Turn Back Time? But you can't turn it back. You can't go back one second. You can't go back one day. You can live there in your memory, but you're not there Because what we have is now. We don't have then. We have now. That's why you shouldn't worry about yesterday because it's gone. We have now. We have now to get ready for tomorrow. But, but we, you can't do a thing about yesterday. It's gone. And the Bible also says that life for the human being is linear. It begins and it ends. But if you're a Buddhist or if you're a Hindu, they believe in reincarnation. And the reincarnationist says life is not linear. Life is circular. That you're born, you live, you die, and then you come back. Reincarnate is something else. And every time you reincarnate, you, you improve your lot. You get to make up for things you did bad in the former life. And so they believe that life is circular, but the Bible says that is bunk. But the Bible says it's linear. We live one time, we're born, we die, and it is appointed for a man to die one time, and after this, the judgment. And time is irretrievable. The Bible says it's like a dollar bill. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it one time. See, time is spent. You spend time like you spend a dollar. If you took a dollar bill today and went into that 7-Eleven across the street and bought a pack of gum, you decided that gum is worth this dollar. I'm going to trade the dollar for that gum. So you put down the dollar and you get something for the dollar. 
And it's the same thing with time. You spend time. How am I going to spend today? How am I going to spend next week? How am I going to spend the rest of this afternoon? Because once I spend it, I can't get it back. So what I spend my time on, I hope that what I'm spending it for is worth the purchase. Right? So you can spend your life sitting all day on a couch, eating potato chips, watching as the world turns and the days of our lives. But, but that's wasted time. That's why I call this don't waste your time. Spend your time wisely. Spend it wisely. Spend it wisely because you only get it once. You've got one dollar bill, one life to live. There's another soap opera, one life to live. The wise person understands That with every passing second, I'm one second closer to my appointment with God. And when I have my appointment with God, because the minute that we die, we either go into the presence of the Lord or we go into Hades, awaiting the great judgment where we will answer for our sins. But once you die, it's eternally too late. Once you die, your time is spent. Once you die, you are not given another second of time to do anything else with per your will. After you die, your being, your spirit being, your soul is in the hands of God. And it's what he decides is going to happen with the rest of your time. And the rest of your time is eternal. You are an eternal being. You already have eternal life in one place or the other. You're already eternal. Your body is going to give up the ghost. It says Jesus on the cross gave up the ghost. What is that telling us? His soul, his spirit went into the presence of God while his body died. His his spirit was eternal and you are an eternal being. So the Bible says, if I'm wise, I live with this in mind. If I'm wise, I will spend my time in a way that when Jesus returns, I'll hear the words, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. You gave your time to serving me in faithfulness over a little. I'm going to make you a ruler over much. So when we're told to redeem the time, it literally just simply means we're to rescue our time from being wasted time. We're to use it wisely for God's purposes, making the most of every opportunity that he gives us. Uh, When I was coming up in the Lord, um, I had a pastor who was my favorite pastor to this day. He, he was my hero. Uh, he, he looked like Moses. He had this shock of white hair, six foot two, this deep commanding voice. He walked with an air of authority. He'd get up to the pulpit and just clean house. I remember one time, it was Easter. We were in a huge auditorium, seated 4,000 people, packed to the gills, people standing in the back. Easter. And my pastor, he just stood up and he started crying. And he said, think about it. Mary really did have a little lamb. And you could have heard a pin drop on a shag carpet. And then he just started talking a little bit about that. Have you thought about it? 
Mary had a lamb, the lamb of God. He talked for maybe five, ten minutes, gave the invitation. (sighs) One day he was told he had cancer. And it was terminal. Whole world prayed for him. I prayed for him. I was shocked when I heard it. He got into the pulpit as long as he could. He was stepping into that pulpit when he was skin and bones. But when he finally couldn't get out of bed anymore, all of his elders came in. And here's what they said. He pointed his long finger at them. And he said, whatever you're going to do for Jesus, do it now. And the meaning was clear. The day is going to come when you can't do what you can do today. So you're to seize the season. Make the most of every opportunity while you can. Because the day is going to come when you can't. So when he says redeem the time, he's talking about the opportunities God brings our way to live for him. Make a mark for him. Bring glory to him. Use our gifts for him. Hey, bear fruit for him. Influence others for him. Make our lives count for him in the brief time we have on this planet. Because every day there's opportunities. In this church, there's an opportunity. Listen, one day the writer of Hebrews wrote to the Christian people. I want you to listen to what he wrote to them. He said, he said it's, it's kind of a rebuke. Well, it is a rebuke. Here's what he says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... Because of the time that you have had to learn these truths, you actually need somebody now to teach you again, the very elementary principles of God's word. In other words, the the season of your life, the kairos, the opportunity, the, the chronos is going by. The duration of your life is shooting by. But the chronos, the opportunities God has given you, you ought to be teachers by now, but you've dropped the ball. You've got enough truth to carry you for a lifetime, but you're not up there teaching Some of you could teach. And so he's telling them you're behind the game. You're missing your season. Your season is going by. Your season is passing you by. And and I want you to grab it. I don't want you to miss it. Come on, everybody. Even a squirrel knows to gather nuts in the fall that wintertime is coming. Even a squirrel knows what season it's in. Shouldn't Christians know what season they're in? And, and, and not just in, for ministry, for reaching people for Jesus and, and, and using your gift, because all of you have a gift. All of you are gifted by God. Not a single one of you that's a believer is not gifted by God. You're all gifted by God. You've all got a grace, a charis, a, a gift on you, that, that, that you're a blessing. You're a walking, talking blessing. You just got to release the walking, talking blessing. You got to release it. You got to come into church and serve in the church. Or get out there and do something. If it's Home Depot, tell somebody, good to see you with that t-shirt on. Anything. Anything. Pray. Intercede. Tonight we're interceding from 530 to 6.30. Right here. Some of you need to pray like you need oxygen. Y'all just come up here and pray. Who knows? You could be up here and and praying and God say, here's the door I've opened for you. Here is what I want you to do. You're never going to know it unless you ask the one who opens the doors to tell you what door he's opened.
I'm preaching this one better than I did the first two. There, that'll be edited out. (laughs) Amen. I want you to get this. See, because we're creatures of timing. We're creatures of timing. We are under the timing of God. You have now, you have today. Can I tell you what God's favorite word is? It's today. Can I tell you Satan's favorite word? It's someday. Satan's favorite word is someday. If you're lost, he says someday when you're not so busy and you don't have so many irons in the fire and you're a little bit older and you've sown your wild oats, someday you'll get saved. But don't do it today. The devil's a liar. He knows if you keep saying someday, you'll never get saved. You'll never come to Christ. You will, I can vividly remember the day that two friends of mine came to my door and knocked on my door um, about a year and some change after I had been saved, but nobody followed up on me. Nobody told me what to do. Nobody told me to get in church. Nobody told me to read the Bible. So I was drifting. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, I didn't know what God wanted from me. And they came knocking on my door. And they said to me, there's a Bible study in Dallas. We're inviting you to a Bible study in Dallas. And we want you to come. There's a bunch of us coming, just like you. You know, the long hair, hippies, that kind of thing. We're all getting together in a house. And we're just singing and worshiping God. And we want you to come. Well, my first reaction was, I don't want to go to something like that. But as soon as I shut my door, there was a presence in my apartment. And I knew, don't miss this season. Don't say no. Seize this invitation. This is an open door for you. And so I went that night and I got mightily touched by the Holy Spirit. It was, it was the turning point of my life. I seized the opportunity, and I didn't let it pass me by. See, seasons change. People change. Opportunities change. You change. What you can do today, you may not be able to do tomorrow. When it comes to relationships, God's given us seasons. I'm going to close with this. You know, having raised kids and and done life for a long time now, I've seen that really things boil down to relationships at the end of life. As as you get older, when you're you're young, it's I'm going to conquer, I'm going to make all this money, I'm going to get the big house, the Lexus, I'm I'm going to succeed, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And usually it's materialistic and it's ego-driven. But when you get older... These things begin to not matter so much. What really matters is that daughter, that son, that spouse, that sister, that brother. Because the things that really last are relationships. See, uh, all those, the success comes and goes. You can be on top of the mountain making all the money in the world and then lose it in one day. But one thing you don't ever lose is that's always going to be your daughter, always going to be your son, always. Listen, so it comes down to relationships. And God gives us seasons to pour into relationships while they're there. I mean, those little kids gathering around your feet right now, before you can say, Jesus, help me, are going to be asking for the car keys. 
And then before you can say, Jesus, help me again, they're going to be going off to college and things have radically changed. And, and you have an empty nest. So God gives us seasons to pour into those that he's put into our orbit. You have people in your life that aren't in mine. I have people in my life that aren't in yours. But listen, I'm meeting with my son once a week without fail now. He lives elsewhere. He's in Dallas, and he's busy, and I'm busy. But we meet at Starbucks where God's anointing dwells. That's a joke. We meet there, and we talk, and we talk about life, and we spend a couple of hours. And I do it. A lot of times I'm tired, don't feel like doing it physically, but I do it because I won't always be there. He may, not, he may move to another state. So I seize the season. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? God, God, life happens in seasons. God gives us a season. There is a, there is a, a, a time for every purpose, for everything. There is a season God gives you. And, and God tells the Christian, recognize your season, seize that season, capitalize on that season, maximize that season, so that when that season changes, you don't regret what you didn't do in that season. Amen? Let's stand up together, can we? And I think that the main reason, I really believe looking at life and looking at things from many, many years in the ministry, just reading the word of God, I think the main reason that God gives time, are you ready? The main reason that God gives time is so that people can be saved. That's why God gives time. Now, I don't know about you, but I look out over the world and I see people blaspheming God, blaspheming Christ. I mean, just holding their fist up against God and like double dog daring God to do something about what they said or did. And I think, how has lightning not fallen and turned them into a pile of ashes? And then I know the answer because God is giving them time. No, listen to me. God is giving them time to be saved. I'm so thankful God gave me time to be saved. He gave me time. I was almost killed so many times before I was saved. I was in a terrible car wreck one day. I was thrown from the window. I woke up having been knocked out in the middle of a cornfield. The, 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 the car was completely told and I hardly had a scratch. And my friend said to me, man, you're lucky. And I said, yeah, I am lucky. But I look back now and say, no, no, it wasn't luck. God was giving me time. God was giving me time. He isn't really being slow. I close with this. Second Peter. He isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though it sometimes seems that way. But he is waiting for the good reason that he is not willing that any should perish. And he is giving more time for sinners to repent time. Those of you that don't know Jesus, if you're here, you're skating on grace. God's kept you alive. God's kept you alive to give you time to be saved. If you keep saying no, he'll lift it. There is a time to be saved. Today is the day of salvation, it says. So let's pray together, can we? Father, thank you 
for the time you've given us to do the will of God. The time you've given us to sow into the lives of others. The time you've given some of us to get saved. When if we died today, we would go into eternity lost. Now, Lord, I pray for anybody watching by streaming video that needs to be saved. They will come to Christ today. I invite you to come to Christ today. Give him your heart today. Don't say someday, say today. If you're here in this sanctuary, don't say someday, say today. And don't say someday I'll get involved in the work of the Lord. Someday I'll give him my time. No, you never will. Do it today. Today is the day I start giving God my time, my gift, sowing into others. Lift your hands to the Lord with me, would you? Just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. Lord, you've given me a gift. And you've given me chronos, a duration of time to use that gift. And you've given me kairos, specific opportunities to do the right thing. Now, Lord, help me to step out and let my life count for God. Lord, show me the opportunities you're putting before me. Show me the doors you've opened and I'll walk through. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Now, with every head bowed, you can say, Jeff, I'm not sure I'm saved. Listen, if you're not sure, then you may not be. If you're not sure you're saved, you may not be. If you can't say, "I, I know I'm saved, you need to know. Got people in both services come down and give their hearts to the Lord. And I want to give you the chance. Don't say someday. Friend, you may not have a someday. You may not have a someday. Say today. I'm giving you my heart. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you can say, hey, Jeff, I need to pray this with you. We're going to go to Jesus and we're going to ask for forgiveness. And we're going to ask him to come into our heart. So pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Go on, you can do it. Pray with me. Come to him today, right now. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me on the cross. You shed your blood to cover my sin. Forgive me, Lord for living a sinful life. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord. Right now, in Jesus' name, I receive you. Amen. Now with your heads bowed, say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. Put your hand up quickly. Put it up. Put it up. I prayed that with you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? And back there, yes, I see you. God bless you. And listen carefully. In just a moment, those of you with hands raised, look at me. Just look at me. I'm going to close out in just a minute. I want you to come down. 
and say, Jeff, I prayed with you, and I want to give you something to take home with you that will help you to walk with God. All right? So thank you. Can we give the Lord a hand for the people? Thank you, Lord. Amen. And if you in your home prayed with me, then I encourage you to simply call 817-293-3111. 817-293-3111. And tell them that you prayed with me. And we're going to get sent to you what we're giving to people here. And thank you for tuning in. God bless you. Amen. If you're blessed today, say praise God. Amen. We've had, we've had so many good things happen today. One man in the last service, I'll tell you quickly, um, came down. He was crying. And he said, I'm so thankful my neighbor invited me. This is my first time here. And he said, I've been told I'm terminal. Now, he didn't look at, but he said, I have esophageal cancer and, and liver cancer. And he said, I'm not long for this world, but I wasn't thinking about my soul. And I gave my heart to Christ today. Now, folks, I told him that made all three services worth it to me. Just that. Amen. Amen. Because he's, he's only got a, a couple of months on this planet. But now he was weeping the whole time coming to Christ, experiencing his peace. Amen.